This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Alif Baharudin and this is Gigi Wallplay, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to talk about Steam Deck, Valve's upcoming portable gaming machine that is set to take the gaming world by storm. But before that, here's a look back at some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with the dynamic duo Ali Johan and Ofnil Ting. Thank you, Hanif. Heading to our first news of the week, we're going to start this week's coverage with updates on the fallout from the Activision Blizzard scandal. So last week, we reported on the protests by the employees outside the company's compound and the demands they made to the upper management. So here's a summary of what has happened since. The pressure of the controversy seems to get to the company and as a result, some top-level changes were made. With a few departures announced, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack has stepped down and has been replaced by Jan O'Neill and Mike Yibara. Both these individuals will act as co-leaders, and at the same time, Blizzard's SVP of Global HR, Jesse Meschuk, has also left the company. On top of all this, the scandal has also resulted in a separate class action lawsuit against the company, uh, this time around from the shareholders who alleged that the company has failed to notify them about the DFEH two-year investigation. With their stocks plunging, they faced further adversity as sponsors started to distance themselves from the company. Brands like T-Mobile, Coca-Cola, State Farm and Kellogg's all have announced that they're planning to step back from sponsoring Activision Blizzard's Overwatch League, with most of these brands saying that they will review the process of the company first. Not really looking too good for the company, uh, but that's our very brief summary of events that had transpired over the past weekend. And as always, we'll bring you more updates as and when they come. Moving on to the gaming side of things for Activision, they have denied rumours that they'll be remastering Modern Warfare 3, first released in 2011. A spokesperson for Activision told GameSpot that a remaster of Modern Warfare 3 campaign or multiplayer does not exist. Any reports otherwise are incorrect. So uh, those reports seem to be ongoing for months now and you can understand why since the company had remastered Call of Duty, Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 both released in 2016 and 2020 respectively. Right, so with that track record, you would think that they naturally would uh, want to also remaster the third installment of the series but it looks like they're not going to do so. And apart from the scandals that are plaguing the company, perhaps they're also busy supporting the existing games. You know, Call of Duty Warzone, uh, their Battle Royale game that's pretty popular these days. Okay, up next, remember Pokemon Go? The craze for the game may have long gone, but it still retains a core group of players that are still loyal to the game. Now, considering that the game's main feature requires you to explore and roam around outside, uh, it was definitely not really safe during the pandemic. And recognizing this, last year Niantic adapted with the time and made some relaxation to the game's inner workings by allowing players to safely play the game from the comfort of their own homes or via a physically distanced way. The changes made were welcomed by fans, but as the world slowly opened up, Niantic eventually decided to reverse this decision in an effort to get people to go out and interact with each other now, uh, which is actually a mantra that the game lives by. Yeah. Uh, the changes started taking place last week and a lot of players are not happy actually uh, considering that the world is still battling with the COVID-19 pandemic and the rampaging Delta variant. Uh, some have also said that the pandemic-friendly changes made to the game also makes the game friendlier for people with disabilities who otherwise would not have the chance to go out and enjoy the game's benefits. 
Apart from the uproar, a petition to get Niantic to revert back to the pandemic-friendly setting started emerging too, with around 170,000 signatures as of the time of this recording. And as a result, Niantic responded to the uproar with a blog post acknowledging the player base concerns. According to the blog post, Niantic are assembling an internal cross-functional team that will uh, develop proposals and will share the finding of this task force by the next in-game season change which is bound to happen in uh, September 1st. And as part of this process, they will also be reaching out to community leaders in the coming days to join in this dialogue. Yeah, they did not specifically say that they're going to reinstate the pandemic interaction distance, at least for now. But we'll see how this pans out and how the community will react from the statement. Alright, so finally, one last uh, news for this week. A minor update to the game that popularized the Battle Royale genre. PUBG, or PlayerUnknown's Battleground, has now been rebranded officially to be called PUBG Battlegrounds. The change apparently took place in July as observer by PC Gamer on Steam where the name change is now visible. Um, not really big news but an interesting one considering that the name change might be slightly odd if you take into account that PUBG is essentially a shortened version of the entire name, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Right? Um, so it's redundant now, it seems, PUBG Battlegrounds. Um, but according to a report by GameSpot, Crafton, the game's developer, said that the rebranding exercise is their attempt at expanding the universe and the products under the PUBG banner with more games being produced currently. One of them is, of course, PUBG New State, the new mobile version of PUBG scheduled to come out really soon. Uh, there's also the Callisto Protocol, developed by the creators of Dead Space that set several centuries in the future of the PUBG universe. Hmm. So from what we can see, the developers are planning to build and expand not only the brand, but the uh, in-game universe of PUBG as well. And as funny as it may seem uh, to see the naming convention set as such, it does kind of make sense. Yeah. Uh, plus, who calls PUBG by their full names? I, I don't <laughs> think I've ever heard someone you know, refer to PUBG by their full name. Everyone calls it PUBG, right? So they might as well commit to it. Why not? So uh, PUBG players, maybe you can let us know what you think. Um, is this something that might bother you or not? You can let us know. You can uh, WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. But uh, until next time, that's all we have for this week's recap. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ali and Ofnil. Let's go for a short break. Up next, we're going to talk about Steam Deck, Valve's new portable gaming machine. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. A few weeks back, Valve shocked the gaming world when they announced Steam Deck, a portable console-like machine that looks like a Nintendo Switch, but with the power of an Xbox One and a PS4. It runs on Linux-based SteamOS, which is open source and will essentially be able to run most games from your Steam library. The machine's specifications are pretty impressive, running on AMD's latest Zen 2 and RDNA 2 architecture. The Zen 2 architecture is the same architecture that can be found on AMD's Ryzen 3000 processors, while the RDNA 2 architecture will be carrying the graphical duties for the console. It'll have 16GB of LPDDR5 RAM with three different sizes of storage. They are 64GB eMMC base and 256GB and 512GB NVMe PCIe Gen 3 SSDs. With a 7-inch LCD touchscreen, Bluetooth 5.0 and gyro control on top of two trackpads, not to mention its ability to be docked and used with a monitor, mouse and keyboard, the Steam Deck definitely feels like a game changer. But what does Jonathan Leo, content director at gaming website kakuchopure.com um, that's a very interesting quote because I don't see this so much as a game changer but other people seem to think so because 
They are looking for a portable that looks like it might actually go toe-to-toe with the Nintendo Switch or at least emulate it in a way that may be successful. Um, Valve itself has a really big presence in basically PC gaming. So having something like this that caters to both the PC user and the console user in a sense would actually work out well. Like, again, its appeal is because of how it looks and it's basically a fancy-looking laptop but with controllers decked on the side in the middle of the screen and I guess the big kicker is it's basically a bit more high-tech and has a bigger CPU behind it that runs all the Steam games you have so that's pretty much the appeal right there. Mm, the thing the thing that I find quite interesting is that uh, it was announced on the day when Nintendo actually opened up their pre-orders for Nintendo Switch the OLED, OLED edition, right? Which is I think that's more like a coincidence than actual <laughs> tactic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but it's just that I think timing-wise, I think people were, I guess, reacting to, to how disappointed they were, I suppose, with the Nintendo Switch uh, OLED announcement because there weren't any, um, in terms of specifications, there weren't any like major upgrades at all. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why they're calling it the game changer in a sense because of that fallback from that supposedly disappointing news from Nintendo, you know, when in fact Nintendo didn't really promise anything at all. So I guess that's why. Yeah, let's let's talk a bit more about the Steam Deck's uh, specifications or rather like um, its potential, right? Uh, so uh, it was said that the machine's power is equivalent to an Xbox One and a PS4. Uh, so for a portable machine to be that powerful is pretty impressive. Uh, but among some of the things that I think some people are cautious about uh, is the ability to truly run AAA games well and whether it's able to play future games, like essentially future-proofing. Like, because I mean, is this an actual concern and will this perhaps hinder Steam Deck's potential? Um, at this point in time, no. I mean, I personally did not actually touch it, but I've seen a couple of previews that came out literally at this time of recording where a lot of people are talking about like how it feels good to play, it feels good to use, uh, the screen is nice, and as well as it can run basically every Steam game you have available on your Steam account that on the store itself. It runs the game pretty well. I think what's the cost, and as well as the pricing for each different version seems fair, especially given how portable it is. Like, I believe the highest costing version of the Steam Deck is 649 US for the 512 gig version, which I would suggest people get that version because games are getting bigger and bigger by the day. <laughs> but, but I think my biggest concern for this is how long the Steam Deck can run because your average gaming laptop can probably run a game at full spec and full FPS, brightness turned up to the medium about maybe two hours or so. According to some reports, I believe running Portal 60 frames per second, or sorry, Portal 2, 60 frames per second on the highest ultra detail setting and lighting on the screen will probably will make the make the Steam Deck run for about two, three hours. If you set the frame rate to 30 frames per second, you limit it. And if the brightness is like slightly lower, I believe it can run about five to six hours. That's just an estimate. Until we actually get the hands-on of the machine. I think the biggest concern for the Steam Deck is how well it runs outside of being plugged onto a power source. Mm, yeah, so I think that's one aspect, right? The, its portability and whether it's like truly portable in the sense that you can actually play uh, games on it, you know, for more than two hours, for example. Yeah, right? yeah. For the price you're paying, I think it's fair that it runs games at a really good. I mean, even at high and ultra setting, like maybe not ray tracing to the extent, you know, like a four K style, but you know. Playing a game on that screen, portable, with as high a resolution as possible, it's 
pretty impressive per se, especially when Valve seems to brag that it can run every single game it has on its library. Mm. Another thing that I find quite interesting is that um, they included uh, not only your typical joystick and buttons and also shoulder buttons, uh, they also have additional extra, uh, I guess, buttons for your, I guess, bottom fingers. You know, when I think it's a touchpad. That's a touchpad, if I recall. And then there's a gyroscope as well, just like the Switch. So that really works well because I actually did like the Steam controller for the gyroscopic um, tech it has. I mean, as much as the failure that controller is, it had some merit, basically. So I'm glad that they actually bring back their... They basically learn what they fail at and then they brought it to the Steam Deck. And hopefully it pay, whatever they've learned can pay off in this, this PC slash console device. Mm, another thing that I think uh, I saw a lot of people um, commented on was the fact that um, the OS is going to be open source, which means that I think uh, a lot of more people are already thinking about, you know, emulators, right? You know, having emulators on, on a the... homebrew scene, basically. Yes, yep. that's very promising. I mean, that's the only way Valve needs to go to actually get more people on board. It may not be an immediate success, worst case scenario, but with the homebrew community opening up to the Steam Deck, as, as what I'm predicting it might, then who knows, we might have portable emulated games and sure, there could be like a legal grey area like some homebrewers will do where, hey, we have a Switch game that we can't play but we can emulate Switch games. So there's a little bit of a moral issue with that. But for the most parts, you know, keeping preserving games from past times, especially when you have a Steam Deck where you can play these games on the go, I think that will help you know, help strengthen the homebrew scene a little bit more. Like how the Vita and the PSP was for the homebrew scene back when they were still around. Mm. Another thing is that it's also not going to be restricted to only uh, playing games from Steam, right? Uh, they say that it's essentially a, a mini PC or, li- or li- like you said, a laptop, which means that you can actually technically install, you know, uh, other launchers, right? Epic Games Launcher or even like Microsoft Game Store and, and you know, play games not necessarily from Steam, right? Um, exactly. I've actually heard a piece of news where Valve is trying to make sure its OS on the Steam Deck can run Windows 11. So they're being very progressive in terms of like letting other platforms work on the Steam Deck. But obviously, the Steam Deck OS is going to be the de facto thing you see. Lah, first thing when you boot up the PC. So in that sense, having an open source platform on your Steam Deck actually works out really well to its favor. I mean, the last thing you want is to spend 600 US on something that only works in a specific way, <clears throat> Apple, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a very cool device, but how will Steam actually position the deck and which section of the gaming market will it be challenging? Are we talking about, you know, catering to PC gamers, console gamers, or even like the portable market? Um, I believe it's trying to hit on all those targets, but basically for, for okay, let's just look at us for an example. We have our own PCs and consoles. Do I want a Steam deck in the future? Yeah, sure, why not? Because I would like to have some portable gaming on the side too. But for new people who just want to get into gaming from the PC side, it might be a bit expensive. And plus the lower the lower memory versions, like the one with the lower SSDs uh, space may not be worth it. Because 600 US for the highest, like 512 gig would be great for people to get the Steam Deck. So I believe it's... Also, I think it might be for the homebrew scene and for people who are willing to, who have or an already large library on their Steam collection. So the Steam Deck will complement those who already own a PC, but want something on the go. So it's a very niche market, but at the same time, it can open up in the future. 
I know it's a bit of a you know a bit of a weak answer, but right now, I mean, unless we actually have the console on our hand, well, unless we have the PC on our hands, which is probably end of the year, we're not going to know who this is for. Mm. Um, this is my personal opinion, but I also feel like um, it also caters to people who don't have a PC but would like to play PC games, uh, which is kind of interesting because I think uh, it depends on the kind of games you uh, you want to play. Like because I think if you want to play a game that's made for controllers, it will be fine. But what if you want to play games that are more suitable for, uh, I guess, mouse and keyboard uh, inputs, right? For example. So so does that mean that you need to also perhaps invest in having an extra monitor and keyboards and mouse as well, right? Well, I think there should be a bunch of USB ports where you can plug in your keyboard and mouse. So it should not be a problem if you have a Steam Deck and you want to play an FPS the proper way. But for the most parts, for the, this is meant for people who have, PCs for work, but want a gaming PC without the fuss of creating your own PC. And you want to, sp- I mean, 600, okay, your high-end rig would probably be about like 1K, 1.5K US. So paying 600 US for a 512 gig device for gaming that's portable and has a lot of options as well as an open source platform idea would actually have its own market. So I believe, I'm, I'm actually going to retract my previous uh, answer and say that this would be, it's meant for people who want a PC gaming rig without the hassle of getting a PC gaming rig and the cost as well. Because like I said, I think you have to shell out, you have to shell about 1K plus for a high-end rig in a sense. Mm. So this is not Steam's first foray into the hardware market. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> they always wanted to, I guess, create a home gaming machine. I think called Steam Machine, but that didn't take off uh, successfully. Uh, I think there was also the Steam controller that you mentioned earlier, which was, I guess, well reviewed based on some um, reviews that I read. But at the same time, it wasn't successful at all. But on the VR front, they were a bit more successful with the Valve Index. Uh, so based on your projection and based on looking at their past track record, uh, will they be able to find success and break the market domination by the existing, I guess? big players you know your Microsoft your Sony's and whatnot I think on this front Valve needs to learn their lessons from how they handled the Steam machine and the Steam controller as much as the Steam controller did not do well commercially I felt that there was a, there was a really good tech they have on the controller and the VR of course is doing okay so I think they need to actually take those lessons Valve needs to take those lessons and learn from their mistakes and apply it the lessons onto the Steam Deck so that they can have like a decent and escalating success for the Steam Deck. In terms of competition, I don't think Xbox and PlayStation and Switch have nothing to worry about because the Steam Deck is meant to be a complement for PC gaming, but in a more portable, uh, different alternative sense. So I think you could technically, Epic Games would be their competitor, but at the same time, Epic Games has their platform to worry about. They recently announced that they are not actually, they're okay with not earning a profit for the next two, three years after spending so much on Epic Games platform because I think the Fortnite money is actually rolling in pretty deep. So that's another talk altogether. But so far, all the companies that we know of aren't going to be threatened by the Steam Deck's existence. In fact, I think it's meant to complement because of what we mentioned about the homebrew scene, about the PC gaming side of things. It's just like another way of playing these games without actually, I guess you could say... I think other companies will actually take suit to what Valve will be doing with the Steam Deck if it takes off in the next few months after its release. Like other companies like Asus or Acer or other uh, peripheral companies, Lenovo and whatnot, they might actually take suit to what the Steam Deck is doing and make their own Steam Deck, if that makes sense. 
that's an interesting perspective because I think if if you're well aware of the the tech scene, you would know that there are a lot more I guess niche attempts at creating a switch like machine, right? I think oh, mostly in China, mostly in China, but they cost a lot, like about one k US or so. So I think the Steam Deck will be the good alternative for like an affordable portable PC laptop with Switch-like controls. And speaking of Switch, uh, do you think Nintendo will be worried? I don't think so, no. Nintendo ha- it plays by its own rules. It has its own games. It has its own trademark IPs and its exclusive titles. So there's no issue right there. I think the only thing Nintendo has to worry about is whether there are going to be people who are going to emulate Switch games and put it on the Steam Deck, 100%. So I think that's the only thing that will worry Nintendo. That's about it. Beyond that, nothing else. Hardware-wise, they're not, they're not going to be worried, right? Not really, because as history has proven time and again, any company that tries to challenge Nintendo's dominance in the handheld market usually die. Like Sega's Game Gear, the Atari Lynx, Sony's PlayStation Portable, PSP, and the PS Vita. They fought a valiant fight, at least for the latter two, but they succumbed to Nintendo's dominance. So this proves that basically software and limited hardware will always triumph high-specs hardware, at least for the portable side of things for Nintendo. Mm. So the the pre-order for the Steam Deck went extremely well, suggesting that a lot of people would want to get their hands on the machine. Uh, But with the world still facing the problem of silicon shortage and whatnot, how will this play into Steam's ability to be able to, I guess, disrupt the existing gaming market, if they are planning to disrupt the existing gaming market? Mm, This one's a tough one, to be honest, because um, I'm actually not quite in tune with this part of the news, but I'll try. Uh, They can probably use the same tactics PlayStation and Nintendo has. Like, they announce that they have limited stock. People start buying the limited stock and then they probably just, you know, take the time in setting up production again. Like, this is a very tried and true tactic where they purposely curtail their own uh, base stock so that people will keep buying it and the demand for it. Demand true absence that I, I think there's a term for it, but I just call it demand true absence. So, I guess Valve can do that. Hmm. Uh, I forgot to bring this up earlier, but do you think that this will somehow disrupt the PC gaming market as well? I, I mean, if you look at some you know, Steam stats and whatnot, I think a lot of people, as much as you know, we always talk about the high-end graphics cards, um, a lot of more people are gaming on you know, um, your mid-level graphics cards. So would the all these, you know, manufacturers be a bit more worried that, you know, with the if let's say we can perhaps manufacture Steam Deck in an abundant way the mid-level gaming market will be disrupted? Um, not particularly. It really depends on who, which, which of the graphic card companies are working closely with the Steam Deck. I believe it's uh, AMD, if I recall. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is AMD. So I think NVIDIA will be kind of worried, but we'll see how that goes. I think uh, it really depends like how each graphic company will actually handle this situation. AMD should be fine because if they're working closely with Valve on the Steam Deck, they have no problem. So NVIDIA will probably need to up the game in terms of like maybe creating, not not create a new graphics card just for this, but basically just hammer home like the higher end markets because people, high end graphics card will always be in demand no matter what. So I don't think it's going to disrupt the market that much. Okay, so uh, I mean, maybe it's a bit too early to be talking about this, but let's let's try and predict the future, right? Uh, do you think that Steam Deck will be a huge success? Will it be part of the um, gaming hardware industry, like as mainstream as Microsoft's uh, Xbox and Sony's PlayStation and Nintendo's uh, Switch? Um, this one's a tough question too. 
I think Steam Deck will have a modicum of success, at least for the hardcore and the homebrew and the hobbyist side of things. In terms of like casual gaming and mid-level gaming, okay, it might actually have a spike. And then people's interest in the device will probably go down as time goes by until something happens again. But for the hardcore market, I don't think so. Maybe only a few subsect of them will probably want to experiment with the Steam Deck and then sell it off later on. But again, it's really hard to predict. But I believe it'll do well on the hobbyist side of things in probably the next seven, eight months after it's out because of the whole open source hardware it has on the device. All right, okay. Uh, anything else you want to add uh, with regard to Steam Deck? Um, I'll probably get one when the time is right. But for now, I uh, there's a lot of promise to the Steam Deck, I'll tell you that, because of... Uh, again, it's nice to actually play a 60 frames per second game on a portable laptop with, you know, controllers and the option to plug in whatever you want at the back of the USB ports of the machine itself. So in terms of like fancy laptops with a really alternate way of playing it and having detachable controllers and a, yeah, and a different touchpads and other options, I think it's nice to have, definitely. But whether it'll have a long-term play, it depends on the hobbyist side of things. You've been tuning in to GG World Played and we've been sharing our take on Steam Deck, Valve's upcoming portable gaming console that's gathering a lot of hype ahead of its release at the end of this year. Thanks to Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopori.com for sharing his thoughts. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and stay safe. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.